Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Seasons, greetings, one and all. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this, the final normal, as far as any of these podcasts is normal, the final normal uh, IGN UK podcast of 2013. We've got a Christmas special quiz lined up for you next week, but for now, as you sit there sipping your sherry, eating a mince pie and wrapping the last of your presents, uh, a very festive seasonal hello from Luke Kamali. Hello. Kaza McDonald. This is getting weird now. I don't think it is. And here in body, if not in spirit, <laughs> Alex Simmons. Are you going to do the entire podcast by yourself? I was getting close. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Hello. Hello. And if there's a reason I'm sounding slightly smug this morning, it's because as I cast my eye over my colleagues, uh, they are all looking slightly the worse for wear. Mm. And as I am now teetotal and have been for over a year... I, I just congratulations. Yesterday was our Christmas dinner. It was uh, for, for a Christmas lunch for, yes. for this organisation of the Ziff Davises. Yes. And um, Ziff Dave I. Yeah, Dave I. I guess that would be the plural of Ziff Davises. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds good. And you, you basically you're caned it, didn't you? Yep. Mm. You hammered it, and yep. then you went out last night as well to a pub. It. Yeah, and, it, and like at about six, we were like, "Christ, it must be gone midnight now." Yeah. And it was six p.m. No, no. yeah, and we were like, home. and you, you know, when you just realise that, and you're like, if we really want to make a thing of this, we're gonna have to go so hard for the yeah. rest of the evening. I think I went home at like seven o'clock, but it felt yeah. like the I got home at, yeah quarter to nine. Yeah, and I, I got passed home. out straight away. I got home at about. You're still rough this morning. Yeah, yeah, but I woke up at four. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, See, I got home about eight thirty, and I was like, "This is about the time I normally get home." I now have an entire evening to sober up and feel like death. And what did you do? Did you continue? No, I continued drinking because I thought, you know, always inevitable. And it's actually worked out quite well for me because yeah. I don't feel too rough today. It's one of those magical. Reprieves. It's a Christmas miracle. You're one just, of those just times young, you drink you're a lot. Just lung, young. I'm just lung. You're just lung. I'm lung. But of course, what you did <laughs> do is you, is you brought um, throbbing lungs up. <laughs> talking, talking of throbbing lungs, you did bring bacon sandwiches in for everybody. I did, yeah. Which is, a, which is a, a, a smart move. I mean, you did pay me, but yeah, I did. I, technically, I haven't paid you yet. No, but it's fine. You, I owe you. All right. So. If there is a, a hint of sadness in today's podcast, it is because uh, not because everybody is hung over to fuckery, uh, but it is because. It's Miss Cousin McDonald's final, last ever podcast. Yes. Oh, After nice. this hour is up, we're taking her outside and we're shooting her. I'm going to give you a desk. <laughs> That's why I'm not back as where, a guest. Where, I'm gonna, where do you want the bullet? <laughs> I'm going to give you a desk at Viking Funeral. I'm going to push it in the Thames and set it on fire. Yeah. I was thinking of that. Can it's I keep be... all my figurines? Or do they no, have to? Okay, no, they yeah. go down with the ship. Good. It's going to be Good great. Snow. We're going to get yeah. a big bin bag and we're just scooping everything <laughs> into it. Everything you it. held That's it. my job. Now, yeah. fuck off. <laughs> but no, this really is it. And it's, you know, we've had uh, quite a, a big response uh, since you mentioned it on the last podcast, which yes. I wasn't in. Yes. So I, I got an email 
Well, we got an email from Keza McDonald saying, please, can you pay more Keza more to not leave IGN? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually from Adam D. Wrigley. There you oh, go. AKA uh, McDonald. The brilliantly titled King's Ferno. I love his name. King's Ferno. What a fucking awesome name, yeah. Satya Keza's leaving. Please thank her for her enthusiasm and, uh, and wit on the podcast. <laughs> so funny you guys and, and for her unflagging love for Nintendo I mean you have been the poster child for Nintendo yeah, you've been the only person in this room who yeah. and now that she's leaving we can reveal she's been on Nintendo's payroll for about four years go on you've got ten seconds to big up the Wii U for a final time it's not quite One, as bad as you might think two. it is wow. that's all you need that's all you need um, I have um, feedback from uh, Dylan Wynn who said it's very hard to pinpoint a specific Keza moment in my IGN UK podcast experience so I believe the best thing to do is simply say thank you Keza for your consistent and unwavering passion for all things video games and specifically Nintendo these last mm. few years. Nintendo money hat. Nintendo money hat. You're welcome. She's not really. Do you know, it's weird because outside of this room I don't have to stand up for Nintendo because everybody else kind of likes them as well. It's just in here. It's just in here. We all, get, we all egg each other on to bitterness yeah. and to like how much we hate things. Like, we're very bad influence on each other. Uh, it's just like my parents all over again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Rob Berry uh, asks something I think most of us like to hear more about is Keza expanding on the details of the fascination that Japanese girls had with her <laughs> how did this manifest itself does she have an explanation for this wow I think, I think he wants to know like, some quite <laughs> in-depth <laughs> shit I'm, I'm <laughs> just, can, we, can we just give him 30 seconds to grab the Kleenex <laughs> I think it's because if you're tall and blonde in Japan, mm. no matter what, and, and slightly androgynous and have short hair, I was literally followed around like shopping centres by gaggles of Japanese schoolgirls. I would look at them and they would all laugh and run away. It was very weird. I love the fact that, that in Japan weird. you're considered tall. Yeah, I was yeah. huge in Japan, yeah. It's like, it's like me in America, I'd be considered slim. <laughs> I, I just, it's fantastic. I was like a head and shoulders at least taller than, than everyone there. I had like re- recurrent fantasies of just bending down and picking people up and just going... Rah! for a bit and then put like them throwing them Godzilla style yeah, <laughs> yeah. Godzilla style uh, wow and also Kezza isn't a real blonde we can reveal that as well colour and custom match well just not this blonde yeah, nobody just is not, this blonde. Uh, blonde not platinum <laughs> not even Scandinavian. Rob also asks can you do your this is Sparta once more alright Luke's just covered his ears it's just, yeah. it's just, right. it's just lean a, back away from the right. mic because this is Sparta there you go there, you go. there we go I'm going to be sick <laughs> Are you actually going to be sick? I'm not going to. Might be. <laughs> William Figueroa. Uh, forget, sorry. Uh, William Figueroa. It's from Hollywood in Florida. Hey. Way. We like Hollywood. Uh, listener of many podcasts, the first time he's actually written to one, and the news of Kez's departure has called for the breaking of radio silence. Mm. There was a time many podcasts ago when she spoke much on Disney's movie Brave. While watching the film with my daughter, my mind accidentally twisted Kez's hype with the overall memory of Mer- Merida and the film. Looking back, my mind now thinks that Kez was either voicing Merida or that she had <laughs> part in the movie <laughs> this could be because of her appreciation of the film or that she had much knowledge about the location used in the movie as well as um, the accents at play well, well, it, might weird, be, it might be because right? the, the actress is Kelly McDonald yeah, the yeah. Actual actress which is Kaz's real name, is my yeah. real name like, so. did you hype it up I did I love Brave oh you yeah. did okay. I, I, I thought, thought, I thought everyone else was a bit like oh it was a bit lame yeah. and I really loved it because obviously it, 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 was, it was the movie I wanted <laughs> when I was a little girl you know yeah. and it was set in Scotland and it starred Kelly McDonald so yeah I thought it was shit anyway sorry about that He's edgy Luke today. Oh, he is, yes. Edgy Luke. I'm, I'm, I'm on it. I'm living. He's doing more happy. I think we should and he's not finishing till Christmas Eve. I know. Uh, uh, today we're all all out of here. Man, Luke is wearing it. his secret Santa present, which is um, a t-shirt with Zippy from that Rainbow. Just says yeah. Zip it on it. Yeah. Do you even know who Zippy from Rainbow is? No, it's before my time. Yeah. 
But there we go, you know. Current. Um, so, two quick things. This is from Claire Griffiths. Um, yes, women listen to your podcast too. She Yay. is a woman. Thanks, she listens. Claire. Enough said. And uh, good luck to Kenza for the future. Um, she'll miss hearing you on the podcast, but would like us to invite you back as a guest. No, never. <laughs> Not gonna happen. It might happen. <laughs> no. Can you remember any of our previous podcasters ever coming back? No. no. Well, that's because you. Well, Butler's <laughs> dead to us. Well, that's because we kill them. <laughs> Every single one. You last don't one. even know that that's going to happen yet. Well, I know. I know that oh, happened yes. to Matt too. He who shall not. We can't yeah. even say the names of the people for a while. Just in case the police are listening. Mm. Just in case the police are listening. Yeah, no. Tom Butler's gone as well. Who? I don't know. Is that it for all the ass kissing <laughs> emails? Can we get uh, back to yeah. one? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I think so. Move along. Let's all move right. along. Uh, news! <laughs> Christmas news! Hang on, I think it's me. Okay, so Paul Rudd is Ant Man. Okay, is, good. Yes, no, I have it. Okay, so Edgar Wright's Ant Man. It's happening, and mm-hmm. Paul Rudd is it. Is the thing it's he, the, he yeah, was man. in early talks to play the character, um, but it's now being confirmed by Marvel. I think this happened yesterday evening. Um, he'll sign the new film from director Edgar Wright, Hidden Theatres, on July the thirty first, twenty fifteen. They wanted him for a long time. The film's plot's been kept under wraps. Uh, Marvel's Kevin Feige, Feige, the guy we had in, he came in Feige. here. Yes. yes, he said. When Edgar Wright came to us with the idea of Paul Rudd, we felt a huge sense of release because the first step in creating any Marvel Studios <laughs> film is finding the right star. Wow. I do, I've I do like how a happy read. ending, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I've forgotten how to read. Just mention Paul Rudd and just... Oh, oh. Oh. Uh, we knew early on that we'd find the right person in Paul. When he not only agreed to do it, but it became as enthusiastic as any actor we'd ever met with about doing the work, we knew we'd find the right guy. Could be more excited for our audiences to see what he's going to do. do. He, he not someone... only agreed to do it, but he agreed to do it really cheaply. So now the question is whether or not Rudd will be playing Hank Pym or Scott Lang, um, but he won't be Ultron, apparently. I don't know what any of those words mean. Can someone tell me what Ant Man is? Like, I know he's a superhero. Now, uh, is Marvel, either, but what does he does he is he ant sized? Like, this is the thing. The he's either I can't remember if he's ant sized or he can control a lot of ants. <laughs> There you go. I'd watch either of those. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. both sound great to me. I think control a lot of ants would be superpower. Yeah, if you want, maybe maybe that. it's both. Maybe he's ants and controls what the ants. rubbish superpower. No, that, I, the, do you know, if that's a big hit, I can imagine that they'll <clears throat> then drag up... Do you remember Inch High Private Eye? Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 That would be right for a Hollywood remake, I don't think. know what I'm saying, yeah. I don't remember it, but... Brilliant. Um, uh, what's some, next? Some more news. Xbox um, documentary. The Xbox... <laughs> Thanks for that introduction. Wow. <laughs> the new, there's a new um, Xbox documentary series. We'll kick off with a film about the burial of the famously terrible game E.T. in the desert mm. years and years ago. Did, it act, did that actually happen? Yeah, well, they're making a documentary about it, Alex. Well, the documentary. <laughs> is, hang on, wait a minute. Because isn't, isn't the documentary actually looking into whether or not this did actually happen? Isn't I presume that, so. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing a, they're an archaeological so dig, aren't they? It's the, right. it's the Atari Twenty Six Hundred <laughs> game E.T. Yeah. the Extraterrestrial. Um, Fuel Entertainment um, has reached a deal to excavate the landfill site in New Mexico. It was rushed to market in 1982, the game, um, in order to be available for time of the holidays, but it was the worst thing ever. Um, And it's often exaggerated that it basically caused the video game crash of 1983. So, Did it then? Or did it not? The video game crash of 1983, not quite as bad as the Wall Street crash. Yeah. No one killed themselves over it, but there we go. It just reset, and then it's fine. That's good. The media company headed by Simon Chin and Jonathan Chin will produce the series Lightbox. Interestingly, Simon has twice won... (laughs) Double Chin. Simon's won the Academy Award for Best Documentary with Man on Wire and Searching for Sugar Man. Both Both very good documentaries. There you go. Um, And the other Chin won a Primetime Emmy for American High, a documentary series that followed the lives of a group of Illinois school students. Not quite so good. So this is going to (laughs) be... 
this is going to be just on Xbox, basically. Yeah. It's producing... Um, Until it's somebody producing rips it. it, and then it'll be on YouTube. Yeah. yeah like, so that's cool. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Money hat. Hmm. Mm. It will be good, I'm sure. And my money hat for everyone. Yeah. You accuse me yeah. of different money hatism every... You've got many hats. Minutes. It depends which one you've got on. If that was anti-Nintendo, you wouldn't be looking forward to watching it. No. Yes, I would. I'd be really interested to know about the Virtual Boy story, for instance. <coughs> I would love to watch a documentary about how, how badly that went and why. Why don't you got you got you plenty of time in your hands? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Seriously, you could go and do that. Yeah. Right. It's okay. Production so, company, isn't it? Yeah. Shia LaBeouf. Wanker. Wanker. Um, this so, is very funny. Apparently, his name means "Thank God for the beef." I heard that somewhere. I don't know if it's true, but let's spread it because why not? Spread the beef. Spread the beef. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> it is actually. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, so Shia booth has been done for plagiarism. Um, he last year he basically made a short film mm-hmm. which went showed at various, several film festivals was quite well received um, and then it was uploaded on the internet and it was when it went on the internet that sometime so some people began to, began to notice there's a comic book by a guy called Daniel Klaus who's a brilliant comic yes. book artist and um, there's quite a lot of um, similarities between uh, LeBouf and so let me find the original one the original bit he, um, the thing is he admitted it so, it's basically lifted word for word. Yeah, it is. So the, he, the film um, was um, howardcantor.com and it starred um, comedian Jim Gaffigan, who we like. Um, and so the 2007 graphic novel, Justin M. Damien. Read your story before you go on air. I know, right? It's fine. So anyway, <laughs> the short is basically that. Um, but Lebe- he's admitted he plagiarised it, yeah, he went, which is a huge mistake. He went on Twitter to say, copyright is particularly creative work. Um, being inspired by someone else's idea to produce something new and different is creative work. In my excitement and naivete as an amateur filmmaker, I got lost in the creative process and neglected to follow proper adequate... <laughs> listen, listen, he's all right. He's, he's, he's pulling out the amateur filmmaker card. That's bullshit. He's worked in Hollywood for the last 15 yeah. fucking yeah. years. And he's so, not an amateur filmmaker. In then, my enthusiasm, I totally forgot to not copy your work. In my th- in my enthusiasm, I accidentally stole thousands of pounds worth of grocery from Waitrose. Yeah, just because I was really. Did you? Uh, yeah, well, actually, is this you're an amateur? <laughs> is this an amateur admissible? shopper? Is this yeah, amateur <laughs> shopper? Exactly. So that happened, and he said yeah, he fucked up. At which stage, Daniel Klaus, um, kind of uh, editor, said, "Oh, okay, that's nice. We're suing you Good. because you've admitted it." Yeah. Um, and then uh, Leboeuf tweeted another apology that appears to be word for word what Tiger Woods apologised when he got busted. So no. now, so it's not yeah, sure genuinely. if he's just incapable of original thought or if That's he's amazing. just literally trolling everyone. That, um, that, that apology, the first one, um, someone Googled it and it's from a Yahoo Answers page. <sighs> My goodness. He's plagiarised everything. And he's plagiarising the apology and now he started, he started using lines from famous apologies like on Twitter. What and and people dickhead. are like, is he just trolling now? Like, surely he, he, he must be. Is, I said this on Twitter. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Earlier on this week, I said he's like a Doctor Who weeping angel. Every time you turn away and look back at him and he's, he's an even bigger prick than he was before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's complete. It's true. Awful, he, awful man. So his next thing, anyway, is that he's um. People have gone back through like some of the other stuff that he's produced, and it seems that there's a lot of plagiarism. Yeah, lifted word for word in some yeah. cases. And Something about I mean, there, was, there was a he film puts, he did which was just like an Indiana Jones movie, only really shit. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. He puts um, full stops called. in dialogue where previously there were no full stops, and like changes adjectives and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, plagiarism is a weird thing. I had a couple of years ago uh, some guy on the internet just um, lifted my Dark Souls review for mm. his website and changed like every fourth word what randomly to a, to, changed it to a synonym basically oh. to, but to, to a not very it was I mean it was obviously not his own work and he lifted a couple of paragraphs from other reviews and I remember getting in touch with this guy on his website and just being like look you've plagiarised my review please stop and he was like oh no I definitely didn't I mean maybe I read yours and some of it made its way in but it was just inspiration I'm like look dude mm. and kind of paragraph for paragraph comparison mm. yeah and he was genuinely like denying it and it makes me think do people not 
even like are they so caught up in their own lives what if they uh, people plagiarise our articles a lot like they do it's lift like, them the thing is as well if you're going to plagiarise a video game review maybe don't choose the biggest video games website on the internet yeah Same. it's kind of obvious that you're taking <laughs> what, what, if, what if Tracy Emin had taken your, your review and had sewn it onto a tent and then displayed it without telling you would that still be plagiarism or would that be know, art is she paying me for you well, there you go money hat yeah <laughs> there you go money hat uh, uh, what yeah. next Nin- Ninty Direct there was a Nintendo Direct this so week so over Nintendo Direct um yeah, all right, Luke. Wow. Luke just, loves his he job. Isn't he even, <laughs> even, even, even have to do much for this one? I'm just offering a counterbalance to Kaz's joy. So, Nintendo Direct was it was a weird one. Nothing much um, happened on the Wii U side, except the announcement of a Dynasty Warriors Zelda crossover. That looks actually pretty cool. Hyrule Zelda Warriors. Muso, or tentatively titled Hyrule Warriors, which is a very, that's very weird. It'll sell, it'll sell. <laughs> Stu, Stu's looking confused Stu just doesn't know what's blank. going on. That will sell like crazy yeah. in Japan. Um, it's quite well here. Yeah, Yoshi's like New Island was shown, and it's definitely coming in 2014 now. Looks gorgeous. Um, Rosalina's in Smash Bros. What platforms are on the, the Yoshi's Island thing? 3DS. Yeah, it was mostly 3DS stuff. Right. All so the 3DS stuff looks amazing. Yeah, okay. 3DS is such a good console. It's it is. Insane. Bravely Default is one of my favourite games this yeah. year. Oh, that's good I'll to save know. that for later. Christ, uh, so also, they announced NES Remix, which is like a kind of WarioWare style remix of 16 classic NES games. So some of them are new and some of them are like mashed up together and that oh, yeah, sounds really, really like cool. Yeah, don't you play like Link in Donkey Kong? Yeah, yeah. Which That's is, coming out, well, it's out now It's actually. like an acid trip. What's the point? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they also showed a lovely trailer for Mario Kart 8 and Rosaline is a playable character in Smash Bros. Right. Mario Kart 8 looks good. So, so in, during this Nintendo Direct, what do they do to make the Wii U more attractive? Nothing apart from Zelda Musou, which will help in Japan. Okay. I, do you know, I think they're going to give up on the Wii U this year. You think so? I think so. I said that at the beginning of the year and got a lot of shit for it, but I, I really think they're probably just going to go, look, do you know what, we'll get out what we've got for it, and then we're just going to quietly leave it alone and move on. Whoa. Well, I mean, because E3 this year, like 2014, they're meant to be showing off the Zelda, right? Yeah, yeah. So that is that is the one game that I'm like, yes, that could make me buy a Wii U. So if they show that, and then they're like, yeah, and that's also our swong song on the console. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with the Wii U, you know, coming out, not doing particularly well, selling like you know GameCube levels if that everybody yeah. enjoying the good games on it's there, Wii.5 as on. far as I'm concerned well I mean the, the the news out this week is that they've got to sell 2 million Wii U's a month to reach the targets right Indeed. that's going to happen so this, it's not though is it, it no. there's no chance so this I've was been sarcastic <laughs> a source close to MPD has confirmed to IGN that 222,700 Wii U's were sold in the United States in November so in wow. order for um, them good, to meet their funny. 9 million target for the financial year, which is March, they have to sell 2 million Wii U's per month from now on until March. And in the US or globally? Globally. And globally thus far, they've sold 4 point something. 4.3 is the, the estimation, but it was, it was 3.2 million in January and they've sold like barely a million worldwide yeah. over the course of the year. It's sad. To put that in perspective, PS4 sold that in America in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sad because the, mm. like, the GameCube was one of my favourite consoles. I wasn't that sold on the Wii. But it's a shame. I don't enjoy seeing Nintendo like this. They just seem to make quite a few Well, you know, decisions. the 3DS will do fine. But I think it wouldn't hurt anybody to just move quietly on from the Wii U at this yeah. point. You, yeah, but if you've spunked away you know, a couple of hundred quid on the console yeah. and a bit more on, on a few games, yeah. to suddenly be told, you know, 15 months later, however long it is, that, that is you're no point. longer going to have a supported console. But the problem is, is you'd very, be very really quite annoyed. The problem is that like, third-party support's going to go, right? The third-party support's already it's gone. 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 Yeah. So this is the thing. Yeah. So like, if they want to get back in the ra- not back in the race, but if they want to have a wider library of titles that the PS4 and the Xbox One are getting, they're going to have to do something. I don't think they're in the same 
ballpark as PS4 and Xbox One they ever really have been. But I mean, again, it's uh, there's nothing wrong with being a third console that's very different from the other no, two. But they, I think they need to break even on it before they would consider. Well, I, I think Iwata's. Yeah, I think Iwata's probably gonna. He's probably gone. Why don't you just Why don't you just sell it at a loss? Sell the console at a loss. I think they are, they are selling it a loss. At an even bigger one loss. game. I think yeah. they have one. They have like one game attached. And yeah, then someone has to buy it. one game and then they're in profit. Right. So I, th- I think they're going to have to. That's their problem. There are no games worth buying. There are three games worth buying. Which wow. ones are they? Wow. Pikmin, mm-hmm. Mario, um, Mario, and the other one this year that was good. <laughs> wow. What was it? God Brilliant. Okay, so these three Wind games. Wind Waker HD. Nintendo <clears throat> Land. Oh, Wind Waker HD. All right, yeah, so I, Pikmin, pl- I played Wind Waker. Pikmin, Mario Land, Wind Waker HD. Okay, bundle that with Wii U. How much are you going to charge for it to make it a success? 350 quid. What? Too much. Too, Too much. much. What? I can buy a PlayStation 4. I can buy a PlayStation 4. Well, how much You'd have to knock the... 200 quid off that to make it even how much, remotely. How much are they selling the Wii U for at the moment? 270 pounds? Uh, isn't it lower? It's, it's, no. now, it's, yeah. two, it's like it was 250. Was it 225 at one stage? I swear I saw. Well, I, I paid 300 for it, I think. I think it came at yeah. launch. Big shop windows. I think it came at 350. Alex is just checking for us. I am, yes. Yeah. All right, yeah. just bear with us a moment. I'm just looking at Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're bored of the podcast. Yeah. Pornhub. I'm, I minute, I'm, I'm bored of life, to be fair. <laughs> £199. 199 quid. So, that, right, that, so what, is that just a basic Wii U? Or, uh, or? Yes. Because there's, right, a, there's a confusion sell, over what you get with the Wii U. Sell it for 300 lot. quid with those three games. You can't do that, Kez. It's just too much. Yeah. You, you, it's, it's, that's still, no. That's because if that's still a possibly possibly a dead end, yeah. three hundred quid on a console in three games, no. Yeah, that is. I mean, the, that, the GameCube was never that expensive, put it no. that way. But, this but then the that thing, was years and years ago. Like you buy a PS4 and Xbox One now on the horizon, you're like, I've got all these titles to look forward to. Mm-hmm. What, like, genuinely, what have you got on the Wii U that you're like Zelda yes. and Smash Brothers? Yeah, Smash and Mario Bros. Kart 8. Smash Bros. Yeah, but good. Smash Bros. going to you know, go on um, on 3DS. I can, that is a that is a that is a good point. You know, so I'm going to get that on that. Like, and I, I don't probably, know enough about Zelda yet. To I've be probably excited spent about, about 700 hours of my life playing Smash Brothers. <clears throat> yeah, so I spent a, I spent a lot of time as a kid playing it. We're all because here's the thing, right? We're all we're all we all love video games. We don't want to see a console fail. We don't want to have this in you know small installed base of Wii U's no, and not people not have them supported. So. Well, I'd, I'd love people to write in and let us know what they think Nintendo should do next. What should Nintendo's next move be with the Wii U? IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Uh, if you've got a particularly salient idea, we will read it out on the next podcast at the start of January. Yes. Yes. Uh, so let's move on to our talking point of the week. Yes. And I think it's probably a good idea to look back uh, at the last 12 months and just see where we all went wrong with our lives. Pretty much. <laughs> Self-reflection. Yeah. Hmm. We're just going to do it in silence for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else, yeah, just take a minute, everyone, to, to reflect on your mistakes. Group, eh? Or we could just talk about the games of the year. Okay. Yes. All right. Who wants to start? Um, what a year, what a year. What a year, what a year. Okay, so I really like The Last of Us. Yes, I think we all like The Last of Us. So until next week, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> no, 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 it was the first game that I've actually finished in a really, really Whatever. long time. No, ever, yes. Wow. No, the first game I finished in a really long time, because, you know, we have so many games to play we don't really get through them oh no it's so terrible it's so terrible our lives plus also I play MMOs which have no end um, but no so I played <laughs> know. I know so um, I enjoyed The Last of Us I thought it was great move stuff story in terms of storytelling I thought it was quite a refreshing look at a very familiar aesthetic um, and yeah enjoyable did you see Empire Magazine actually put it up as one of their films of the year did they? Because yeah they said it's such a good game such a good story such good acting it's, it's kind a, of patronising in a way though I disagree. It's so good it could be a film. I, d- I disagree <laughs> with you. I think it's I think it's really good. I think it's it's great that it's kind of crossed that barrier. Yeah. 
Shame that Beyond didn't, eh? Hey! You've met David Cage, haven't you? Several times. What's he like? Uh, he's exactly as you'd expect him to be. I'd French. He's very French. Yeah. He's very French indeed. Yeah. He he's very passionate. Like his he speaks with real conviction. See now, passionate to me is always kind of quite a backhanded compliment. When people are like he's very passionate about what he does. Well, he speaks with complete conviction, which is is fine when he's talking something that isn't nonsense. <laughs> so what? Two hours of the day? That's... No, no. He, I, th- I think he's got he's got a lot of valuable stuff to contribute, David Cage. Yeah. And I I really like that he's um, got the attitude that he's got. But I think somebody else maybe needs to start writing games at uh, Quantic Dream. Yeah. Either with him or without him, I think. I, I haven't played Beyond. So what, why, did, why did Last of Us work where Beyond didn't then? If, uh, if they were both trying to kind of straddle Last of Us had this... a good story and right. Beyond had a silly story. Mm. That yeah. didn't make sense. Mm. That, that, that's the big difference for me. Like The Last of Us was believable and exciting. Like Beyond... I mean, the thing that David Cage tends to say is that, oh, Beyond's just different and people don't like different. It's like, no, the thing is, Heavy Rain was different and people did like that. People didn't like Beyond because it was a really weird... Like, the character, Ellen Page's character, was just odd. Yeah. And she seemed to be completely at odds. All her motivations were weird. The story didn't quite make sense. Mm. There were lots of untied-up loose ends. I mean, the, lost- the supernatural aspect was just... Didn't quite work. It just wasn't a very good story, fundamentally, at the end of the day. I mean, see, I ha- I did not really like the end of The Last of Us. And I'm not going to give my oh, spoilers. Don't talk about it. No, I won't, I won't. But I didn't really like the end of The Last of Us. But in spite of that, it's very rare for me to kind of hate the kind of climax of something yeah. and then still be like, actually, that was a really, really good piece of art. Like, that's mm. something that I still enjoy and respect. So I, I did not like the ending, but in actual fact, I thought it was great. I cried. There's one point in it where Ellie and Joe, like, Ellie's talking about how everyone's left her. And I was just there, like, welling up and just like... It's like, it's incredibly well put together. That's it's interesting you say that you, you, you like the game uh, despite the ending. Yeah. Now, for me, in a way, I think um, Bioshock Infinite, it was almost ah. the other way around. Okay. I like the game because of the ending and not really because of a lot of the rest yeah, of the game. Mm. Bioshock Infinite was a really interesting one because it got a great reception and then over the year, it's really cooled. A lot of people have been mm. like, it was just, you know, it was a, it was a sideshow. It was a... It was like a, a fairground ride. There was nothing behind it. It yeah. was all just like... And the, smoke and mirrors. I yeah, yeah. And the thing about Bioshock is I'm happy with it being smoke and mirrors. You know, you walk through and everything's perfectly placed for you and there's no real stuff going on and there's no real AI and the, like the, the whole place is constructed you know, around the player. Mm. And it does feel a bit like a fairground ride, but I'm fine with that. It was a great yeah. fairground ride. I thought it was great, yeah. I mean, the, the contrast there would be GTA V, which felt like mm. it was alive and you just happened to be there. Mm. Yeah. But it's weird. Like, we, we were chatting about this the other day. Yes. GTA V. Brilliant. But you know what? When I think of my memorable games of this year... It's not on there. Not what? in the way. No, not in the way GTA Four has stayed with me for a long, long time. Yeah. I don't. Crazy. The thing is, I don't know. It was kind of like, as you say, like as you say, it's brilliant. It's happening, and you happen yeah. to be there. I didn't really feel like I had. It cared about me. Or I was invested in it. I don't know. I just didn't really. Oh, that's interesting. I felt like a kind of spectator on this brilliant creation, but I didn't really feel that I contributed to yeah, it I, I had I, I think about GTA 5 probably two or three times a day I remember something I did or someone something that someone said and this is partly because I've played so much GTA I was Online say, well, you reviewed it because yeah, right, you know so. I reviewed the game and then I couldn't just forget about it I had to spend the yeah. next you know several months playing playing GTA Online and, and enjoying that dealing with that yeah. <laughs> um, but for instance there's um, you went one of the best cars. things one of the best things about GTA for me was cycling like I cycled a lot just up the mountains and I found trails and I, f- I found this mountain trail there's, no- there's nothing there apart from a bunch of people at the top of a hill yeah. and if you go past them they all start BMXing down this trail so you, you can race them and there's no point but you can and uh, 
just the going going up and cycling to the top of the mountains and just taking pictures with my camera and stuff like that that was that was not the game that that's GTA 5 for me as much as all the fantastic missions and mm. all the script and all the I yeah. really enjoyed the characters and story yeah. writing the Alex world was itself was, was well. just amazing yeah yeah, yeah. and so and the, the one thing about GTA 5 that I said in the review and that is for me why it's a, the, one of the greatest games ever made is that it is both a really interesting and cool and fun scripted experience mm. and a totally brilliant open world experience and those things usually don't mesh yeah mm-hmm. no I think that's a fair I think that's a good chat like, I, I do think it is an absolutely amazing game that more than deserves it's, it's strange that it didn't um, give, I, it give just, you the just it didn't impact on no, you no it's weird it really it did not make resonate. memories with you not no, really like, when I, like no. we were chatting about it the other day and like we were kind of yep. we were recounting the games of the year and then we were both like oh shit GTA 5 like yeah. completely How like we forget as in, we wrote about it for the entire year and it just I think partly the, the hype was so massive as well yeah. that a lot of people mm. were sort of so excited I mean I was so excited about GTA yeah. 5 everybody and, was yeah and, and then yeah. I think if you maybe you played it and it wasn't quite what you I don't know, maybe if it was just a bit different from what you thought it was going to be, then that might have affected it, the hype. No, I don't know, it's just... I, it was everything it's, I hoped it would be. Yeah, yeah, but it's 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 more of the same. It's yeah. a more polished GTA 4, isn't it? Yeah, see this thing, Last it's of Us... It's a much better GTA 4. Yeah, but it's still... But it's still a third iteration of it. But The Last of Us was completely new, which is why it resonated with me. And similarly, the flaws in something are sometimes enough to kind of make you love it. Like I've said before... I fucking love Too Human. It's a diabolical game. It's so broken, and I love it. I love Whereas, like, GTA Five is so... It's perfect. And it's, like, too perfect. You're like, there's nothing to In kind that of... case, I've got a copy of Ashes 2013 I'd like to have. <laughs> Thank you. Game of the year. That's, that's my present. Um, um, Zelda Link Between Worlds, also a candidate. Oh, yeah, that was very good. Game of the year. Very, really, very really good, good. Yeah. Super Mario 3D World um, is so much better than I thought it was when really? yeah. I first played. Yeah. Bravely Default. Like, yeah. As I say, Baby Default, good. really good. Luigi's Mansion was that this Luigi's year? Mansion's that was fantastic. Great. Really good fun. Spooky, funny, mm. uh, well animated. Really enjoyable. Great year for the 3DS. Animal Crossing, yeah. Fire Emblem. Oh, also. Animal Crossing! Like, when, like holy men, shit, Animal Crossing! Like, <laughs> Mar- like, like Mark Hoppers of Blink One Eight Two, like for about a month, was tweeting every day pictures of his Animal Crossing cat, and you're like, what world do we live in where someone from Blink One Eight Two is tweeting <laughs> Nintendo handheld games? It was amazing. Oh, it was so fun. Um, I love the way that everybody in the world seems to be playing Animal Crossing yeah. for about two months this year. Like yeah. when you got Street yeah. Pass with everyone yeah. and it was just like, what game are you playing Animal Crossing? It was really Animal funny. There were, for, there were a couple of weeks in the office where the whole place would empty at lunchtime yeah. and everybody would just be in the ki- kitchen all playing <coughs> Animal Crossing. Yeah. yeah, going around picking fruit. So it has been the best of years and the worst of years for Nintendo, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just strange because yeah. well, the 3DS, 3DS. Is, I think the 3DS, 3DS is probably is the best console Nintendo's ever made. Yeah. Genuinely, in terms of like fantastic games and it being a pleasant thing to play. I was so skeptical before I got one like I was just like you know I didn't believe in the 3D and everything mm. I know it's brilliant the other game that I got this year none of you have played I don't think Nino Cooney oh yeah that's yeah. Very, I, I played about it for an hour of it oh, yeah no that's games. brilliant brilliant mm-hmm. like the JRPG from um, Studio Ghibli who did you know mm-hmm. Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away beautiful game wonderful story combat that's very like Pokemon in the sense that you go around and um, like kind of capture monsters and then train them up and then they can evolve and stuff it, it's be- it is beautiful what's your game of the year Alex GTA mm. yeah really? I think well we were talking about yeah, GTA or Last of Us but yeah. for very very different reasons really yeah but for the I think probably Last of Us has stuck with me more mm. but I just love GTA games that's probably that's probably yeah. because of the story in Last of Us I yeah. guess is yeah. It? Yeah. yeah I'll tell you what surprised me this year though Black Flag Assassin's Creed oh, yeah, 4 oh see I'm going to play that over Christmas like, and I'm really looking forward to it literally started the other day on the PS4 and yeah. um, Easy for me, my favourite PS4 launch title. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I, I didn't like 3. 
two I was lukewarm about. I really liked the first one, and I think this is the best one by far. I think it's really, really good. And mm-hmm. I just two was great. Two was yeah, great. two was good. But, there's, there's but no then pirates. they did two point one and two point two and two point yeah. three. So. Yeah, the pirates. I just I've wanted to play a pirate RPG that's good for so long. And there was that game Risen that came out I think uh, last yeah. year, or the year before. That was I remember that. It was. It looked like it was mm-hmm. going to be good, but it was just kind of average. And then uh, and then this has come out, and it's the pirate RPG I always wanted, completely unexpectedly. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was expecting it just to be an Assassin's Creed, you know, quite the same as the other Assassin's Creed games, but... And it's kind of quite self, self-referential self in the sense yeah. that it's like, you know, we're working for a new company, oh, yeah, you know, we're trying to make video games by taking these memories and yeah. stuff. And it's quite funny about it. Like, you the know, the modern-day like, stuff. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, yeah, our first project was, um, was the Liberation thing a couple of years ago, back in 2010. And you're like, ah, you're referencing yourselves. And it's... I still, you know what, I could do without any of the Assassin Templar stuff. I could just get rid of all of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not interested. Whenever it starts going on about that in the story, I'm like, oh, just let me get back to my boat. I always lose track island. of which ones do. <laughs> Whose side I'm meant to be on? I'm like, which isn't great, but Assassin's Creed was brilliant. Anybody mention uh, was Far Cry three this year? Last no, year was it last year? Just, yeah. just tail end, was it? But um, we all played it in January because we all got it for Christmas. Him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think. Not much mention of like the the small kind of uh, indie games, the kind of arcadey stuff. On Resogun's Reza Guns great, but it makes me want to kill myself. I can't yeah. stop playing, but I can't complete levels, so I just spend about six hours. Yeah, playing it's the same really hard. Level. Last year there seemed to be a lot of stuff on on both PS3 and Xbox, yeah. but not as much this year. Mostly PC them. this year. Yeah. yeah, Papers Please was amazing. Yep, yep. Um, it's the game where you're a border agent in a fictional Eastern European country. It's about guilt and desperation and stamping papers, and it's awesome. Um, what else was there? Tearaway, Tearaway on Vita. Mm, yeah, that was That's great. a game of the year candidate. Fantastic. State of Decay. State of Decay was really good. Yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, the relaunch. No one thought they could do it, and they did it, and they made a very successful MMO out of it, which I think is huge. Yes. Yeah, Everyone thought they were gonna, they'd fucked up and they'd ruined the brand, and no, they recovered it. One and a half million subs. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Minecraft continues to get better every and single. And now it's, it's on PS three now, isn't yeah. it? As well, or it will be. Um, it's been a good it's year. It's not going to stop. Way, it has it? actually been a really good year. The, the consoles sort of bulldozed everything else in my mind because obviously I was obsessed with them at work. Mm. Yeah. And it kind of, I actually forgot to play a bunch of games. I've got loads to play this yep. Christmas. I yep. mean, it, especially the, the indie stuff, I've fell a bit behind this year. Yeah, I still have to play so Borderlands 2. <laughs> I've still got Borderlands wow. 2 to play. There's about so many bits of DLC for it now as well. Uh, oh, it's the game that keeps on giving. And what's the other one I've got? Um, Mass Effect 3. Oh, I still <laughs> haven't played Mass Effect 3. It's really bad. When, everyone, when I was like writing all these stories, being like, people are outraged about the ending. And I'm like, I don't fucking clue. Bloody... Oh well. Well, as always, it's as much your podcast as it is ours. So maybe you could come in and do it next week because we'll all, all be. Uh, <laughs> we'll be uh, or what you could do is just write in and tell us what your game of the year has been. But uh, not just kind of write in and say, "I like this game." I w- we want uh, reasoned uh, reasons. So I reasoned like this reasons. game because it is good. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> also, are there games that we might have missed that yeah. you think were amazing, or are there games so, that, that we think are fantastic that you completely disagree with and are quite passionate about? Let us know. Yeah. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN we might get mugged for that whole kind of GTA discussion. Bring it on! Oh yeah, by the way, we should actually mention at this point, if you want more uh, of us talking about games and ting, uh, you should tune in to Kerrang! over the Christmas period. Alex, when are you and Daniel on Kerrang! Uh, over 20, the Christmas period. I don't know the date. It's Sunday the 27th, I believe. Is it? Isn't it? Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Sunday's at 9pm, I believe, on the Alex Baker Show. And yes. Luke, it's you and I the following Sunday. We are, yes. Yeah. So we're on the following Sunday. Um, it's 9pm, again, on the Alex Baker Show. We, Alex and Krupa, are talking about uh, next-gen consoles and ting. The next generation. The next generation. And Stu and I are reflecting upon the yeah. year that's gone and looking forward to the year ahead. Well, Luke is. I'm looking mostly puzzled. There is a bit where, they, there is a bit where Alex Why and Stu kind of go off and start 
start talking about sheds for about 10 minutes when I'm trying to explain why I'm excited about Destiny. It's well, really good well, fun. I'll tell you, we're real men. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to this week's feedback. Okay, so I have the first piece of feedback uh, from Nigel Jeffrey. He says, what game music brings back the most vivid, poignant or inspiring memories to you and why? Vivid, so, poignant and inspiring, um, for me, I'm not sure about. But uh, oh, for me, easy. Catchy. What, 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 yeah, Final for Fantasy me, for you, right? Yeah, Final Fantasy X, uh, the Xanakin oh. piece of music. You two can just stop. Such a um, final <laughs> fantasy just stop. poor, isn't it? It's beautiful. Naboo, Naboo, Naboo. He's the best. Yeah, Uematsu. He's amazing. So the Final Fantasy ten theme, especially the ending bit, where the ending theme where there's lots of strings and like oboes and there's a bit where it rises Stop and it speaking, cry. Then. Sorry. Next. <laughs> I but it's amazing. One of my most Listen emotionally potent moments of the year was stepping out in Zelda Link Between Worlds into the overworld and just hearing da, 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 and the whole Hyrule theme. Mm. And it was just a bit different from how I remembered it. And it was, re, it was kind of redone. And it was, it was redone in a way that was very faithful, but also it was designed to get, get you kind of roused. And yeah. that was, it, was, it almost made aroused. me cry. I was like, oh, good Lord. Damp. I didn't, Damp. I, <laughs> Ew. Ew. <laughs> I didn't expect it, but the, the Zelda music is very emotionally potent. Yeah. Music I can never get out of my head. There's, the, there's one track in Diddy Kong Racing, which I played when I was 11. Oh and they God. have a Christmas track. Um, which it just always is in my head at Christmas every year. You like the Dark Souls music though, don't you? It doesn't have music. Didn't it? No. Dark Souls 2? No, it doesn't have music. Well, there I go. <laughs> yeah, off you go. Off oh, I go. Covered in confusion. Um, the Zelda sailing across the sea music in um, is, is amazing. Yeah. It feels like you're on a proper adventure when that kicks in. I think... Uh, the first, uh, the first time I heard music in a video game that you could play at home was Manic Miner. Oh. Because, oh, yeah. But because that actually played music while you were playing. Didn't and nobody make horrendous noises on its start screen as well? Oh, yeah, well, well it was a noise. spectrum game. And all yeah. spectrum what was the music again? That's right, Pretty sure it was, not it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. But the brilliance of being able to actually have the Spectrum, the ZX Spectrum, playing music at the same time that you were playing a game. Nobody had ever figured out a way to do it until that point. So cool. Yeah. Also, the Stormwind music in World of Warcraft, it's quite... It's got gravitas. Is it? Yes. Mm. Which is, is quite it? exciting. So, yeah. Uh, I've got an email from Adam Hughes, who Adam. says, uh, I'm sure many people will echo my sorrow at your departure. I'm assuming he's talking about you, Keza. No, it's oh. not. <laughs> is he talking about me? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm off. Okay, yeah. right. There's, There's something we need to talk to you about. <laughs> Uh, so he says, I'd love it if you could all spend a moment speculating on the future for gaming in China. Consoles have been very loosely banned. Oh. Well, I, yeah, I would assume so. Uh, consoles have been very loosely banned since the start of the century, but that didn't stop them being imported into the country. However, it did generate a feverish market for copied games. For his sins, he has about 50 Xbox 360 games, all of which cost the equivalent of 50 pence each. Uh, PS4 uh, only became at all... Notice what the PS4 only became at all in noticeable circulation after it was first hacked. It must be PS3, PS3 yeah. yes. Uh, PC games uh, were unaffected by the ban, and games like um, League of Legends and Dota have had successful Chinese incarnations. Same goes for apps. As my teacher, as a teacher, my students all know that Angry Birds and Temple Run, but no idea who Master Chief or Nathan Drake is. Mm. So it's really interesting in China because he hasn't finished. Oh, sorry. Wow, I know. <laughs> 
thanks for giving me thanks for giving me a really long email yeah. uh, the console ban <laughs> is rumoured to be lifting next year uh, welcome a new massive market for either Microsoft Sony or Nintendo uh, so Mario and Pikachu are big brands there but I wonder if it's the official Mario and Pikachu or whether mm. it's knockoffs weird Chinese Pikachu yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, do any of you have any insight into these how these companies might be looking to take advantage of this and if you're all in the dark here's my take Chinese population not, a, not at all conditioned to paying anywhere near the RRP for computer games but do invest heavily in microtransactions ah it's interesting in China because game consoles have been banned and mm. the PS4 and the yeah. Xbox One are actually coming out officially mm. and they're the only the only consoles in I think ever to, to have been for, for years to, to be released to be officially sanctioned yes right. um, by the government and not banned so that means that they can actually why are they banned uh, they were banned because the government didn't consider them suitable um, and they'll still be heavily censored. Yes. So pretty, it's a bit. It's weird for Chinese gamers because they're like, "Oh, great, get a PS4, but I'm probably not going to be able to play any games on it because all the games will be censored." When or this story are they, are they region locked? The consoles? Uh, no. But when the story came out, I seem to remember them. There was kind of like loads of deals. So China's building like a massive new industrial kind of estate yeah. somewhere, and basically the agreement is they might lift it if Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo agree to manufacture their thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've seen this happening in Hollywood over the last couple of years where they deliberately put in, like, small Chinese episodes. I think there's one in Iron Man 3, for yeah. instance. There's a little mm-hmm. bit. and But if you go and see the Chinese cut of Iron Man 3, there's a whole extra section that was shot in China that they've put in for the Chinese market. So, wow. obviously, this is a massive untapped market yeah. for a lot of Western companies. Well, so it's it's partly, just, partly because the government does exert sort of strict control over mm. what people can buy, see, and consume. Yeah. yeah, like, there was a huge thing, like, I was just reading then about, like, because Warcraft is out over there, and I don't know what the sub-model is, whether it's free-to-play. It's huge. But it's hugely Warcraft, successful. They actually just said, because there was a brief period where the Chinese government were going to close it down, and Activision shares went from 65 cents um, a share to 60 cents a share just because the subscriber loss would have been huge mm. and the loss of revenue. So it is huge. But I remember there's lot, they have lots of weird things that Chinese culture, I think it was China, in Warcraft, one of the racing plays, the undead, you can see their bones and things. Um, and that's like desecration for the Chinese. And the Chinese version, they have to cover it up. Right. So it's like mm. they've put flesh over it and stuff. The microtransactions and free-to-play basically was born in Korea and China yeah, mm. and you know, has since populated the rest of the world. But I'd be really interested to know whether, whether you know, traditional consoles with expensive games can do anything there, especially if they're super censored. Yeah, well, I guess time will tell. I, I have. It's, it's something we'll keep an eye on, though. Yeah, yes. they could. I'm really interested to know what happens. I have a piece of feedback. This is from Jack Sotola. He says, I was at Warner Bros. Studios a couple of weeks ago and our tour guide told us that he met Henry Cavill whilst he was doing a wee in the staff toilets. Wow. Wow. I was curious as to what your guys' strangest meeting with a celebrity was. Strangest? Well, last night we met Vic Reeves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you? I, yeah. I bring this up, yeah. Yeah. Last night we met Vic Reeves and we were like so drunk and like unintelligible and we went up to him and we were like, hey, Vic, just want to say we're massive fans, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, and he made a joke. He was like, oh, good. Well, beware of the creatures that come in the night or something very strange and wow. kind of then yeah. turned to go and we were like well we, we, we want a photo and like he kind of didn't oh. look dear but we took a photo and um, we put it on Facebook so there we go brilliant <laughs> I've had a piss next to Jonathan Ross hey is <laughs> that the BAFTAs yeah it was yeah. Mm. he's nice Jonathan Ross isn't he we had that nice he's podcast he's a very nice man tiny, tiny penis tiny penis I thought the rumour that he had a massive penis. I don't know. Did he used to go around flopping it out at the BBC or wherever he was before he did. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> I think you about John yeah, Barrowman. Yeah, it, like it was like a thing. It John might be Barrowman. a shower, not a grower, though, Kez. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's true. You know. 
These are the dangers. What's your yeah. weirdest celebrity encounter? I don't know, really. Weird. Uh, well, I well, guess to, to celebrities, every encounter with me is weird. <laughs> but I mean, we... we because you keep licking their faces. We yeah. meet quite a lot. I mean, yeah. uh, Daniel, when Daniel Radcliffe came in, I thought, oh, he looks ill. But that's kind of... Well, he did look a bit gaunt and pale. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's an actor, though. Maybe he was acting ill. Maybe he was acting ill. Just so you wouldn't touch him. Well, didn't stop me, did it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I don't know, really. No. That, for me, it was Stifler from American Pie when he came into the office. Yeah. Because oh, I, had, I had a massive crush on him when I was a teenager. And as soon as like, I saw him in real life, I, had, I just regressed completely. Like, I couldn't even speak. <laughs> oh, it was my awful. God, Kez. And I just looked at him and was like, this is, this is awful. So I had to run away and hide. That, so it wasn't really even an encounter. <laughs> it wasn't an encounter. <laughs> Brilliant. But that happened. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I, I swear that we've met celebrities before. But yeah. Joe, Joe, my maybe was Joss Whedon when I interviewed mm. him and I completely just freaked out. That was bad. Right. What did you do? Uh, well, I was like, g- g- f- we need a photo for social. <laughs> then they were like, he was like, what's a photo for social? A photo for social? Photo for social? Never heard of a photo for social before, but he did it. Oh, it's one of those, don't keep saying it because it sounds weird. So I met Joss Whedon, he took the piss out of me, but I got a photo with him. So That's good. I, there's nobody, most people that I'd ever want to meet are dead. Really? Yeah. Just because people, you killed them. Yeah, you killed them. And you prop them no, no, next no, no, to you on the sofa. They're just old people. The only person I'd really, really like to meet is Michael Caine. I'd love to meet him. And I'd really? better get a fucking move on if I'm going to do that. Because he's 80 odd. He's, uh, he's on his way, isn't he? Is he? You heard it here first. Better get that up on news. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Question here for Keza from Daniel. Just Daniel. Uh, <laughs> it's Grouper. Gay podcast crow Daniel from Sydney, Australia. What game did you have the worst time reviewing for IGN? And I'm not mm. asking about the worst game. I'm asking rather a game that was frustrating or had too much content or something like that. Um, there are two worst review experiences at IGN. One was, weirdly, Dark Souls. Yeah. Which was an amazing, amazing game. But the version of it that I had to review was not the version that came out. It was much harder and much more of a total <coughs> bitch to play. And I also lost my save twice. Oh my they actually changed the hardness of it. They didn't change the difficulty, but uh, this is very technical, but they changed the humanity drops and they also changed where you could buy certain items. Mm. So, for instance, in the version I was playing, if you got cursed by the curse frogs, there was one place that you could buy an item that would get rid of that. And it was way at the other end and it was almost impossible to get to. In the version they released, there were three places to buy it and they were quite evenly spaced. So if you got cursed, you could buy an item and sort yourself out. When we got cursed, we spent 50 hours trying very very hard to be uncursed and then just restarted the game oh my god <laughs> so that was that um, and then so, so Dark Souls was an amazing game but a, a horrendous review experience it was, it was really I mean I remember coming in you guys being like are you okay because it was all like oh, pale yeah, and totally shaky freaky, just like, yeah. oh. it, was, it, was, it was terrible and then the other and also I had to get it done really fast and it, when a game is that difficult and you have to compl- you know you have to mm. complete it it's just, the pressure was dreadful mm. and the second worst was GTA Online because yeah. it didn't work mm. at all. Yeah. And, we ended, and you lost and then, character after character, didn't you? Yeah, and I lost probably 40 hours of progress in that game from lost characters, from server issues, and I had to write so much about it. And then in the end, we couldn't. I was just like, I can't review it, we can't score it, it doesn't work. And then when it does work, it'll be good. So how yeah. do I... So we ended up giving it a scoreless review, which is, I think, the first one of those IGNs ever done. You're, I think it was a good way to handle it. You also haven't sat next to you the wonderful 101 was not a happy time. Oh no, for you. I didn't have fun. I didn't have fun with that either. You, did, you really hated that until quite near the end. Yeah, yeah, it's because I it's because I figured I had to play it towards yeah. the end, and then yeah. I was like, oh okay, because um, it doesn't really tell you very much about how to play it. Yeah. Um, and then once I figured out what it was trying to do, I was like, oh, actually, it's pretty good. But mm. for the first few, the first, I like, remember half sitting next to you and you being like, I just don't, I just don't want to play. Yeah, it. I just, I, just I really didn't want to play, play it at game. all. And I, f- I figured it out towards the end, and it was, it's, it's a good game. But yeah. I mean, it certainly didn't seem like it for the first few levels. <laughs> 
Uh, I had a couple of emails this week because um, uh, you know I've been banging on about how much it costs to go to the cinema these yeah. days, especially if you you, you know you got a family. Uh, and Stephen Farrell has written in. Um, he was just wondering if the cinemas had a legal obligation for a minimum price per ticket. As I see it, this can only be the logical reason for the absolutely ridiculous prices that cinemas are trying to charge. It's either that or the cinema owners are just incompetent business people who think that the way to make more money is to charge more per head, not realising that this is in actual fact deterring people from going in the first place. If only some bright spark would instead charge less than a fiver a head for tickets, they'd soon see their footfall increase and thus see an increase in profits against the things that actually cost them money, like popcorn sweets and pick and mix. This occurred to me recently after being nearly refused entry to my local Odeon for one of their midweek baby showings of Turbo because my son was three. Oh so his son was actually too old for wow. a baby for a baby showing. But he said, goes on to say, needless to say, we were three out of the five people that actually went that morning to see the film. And a oh. grandmother with her five-year-old were the other two. Well, wow. it's, interesting yeah. he sa- it's interesting he says that because I used to work in a cinema and I know that it was an independent cinema and we always used to want to get the big blockbusters but mm. the way, because the way it worked they were like if you want it near release you have to show it on the one screen that we have for 10 shows at least mm. and they want 70% of the profits from that so then if you wait till the next month then they only want it there on five nights and they only want 50% of the profits if you wait another and so basically the longer you wait so I I don't know actually if it's the cinemas that are like this or if literally companies are just saying you have to show it this many times we want this much profit from it this much profit share and so the only way that the cinemas can make a decent return is by cranking it up so high I don't know if that's true or not but it was for us for an independent cinema well Rick Crossley's written in as well uh, brilliantly entitled uh, email says the assassination of cinema prices by the cowardly Odeon chain which quite like (laughs) Uh, working for the film industry I'm a big defender of the price of cinema tickets in the UK I think 10 to 15 pounds for 2 to 3 hours of entertainment is a pretty fair deal you're paying for the cinema experience which is something you just can't get watching a film at home. Mm. Maybe not anywhere apart from Stuart's house. I even think paying up to £20 for premium IMAX 3D tickets is a fair deal as you're paying for an experience. However, a few months ago, my girlfriend and myself found we had a few hours to kill in central London. Maybe this just shows my naivety, having only lived in London for a year, but we thought it would be a good idea to go and see Thor 2, uh, with the Odeon Leicester Square being the only cinema with a screening on at a time we could make. Now, I understand that it would have cost a little bit than the norm, since it was in 3D, uh, and in fact, it would have cost the two of us £52 in total to see Thor 2. Yeah, you do not go to the Odeon Leicester Square. That That is is rule one of living in London. Yeah, needless to say, we sat it off, went and had a nice meal, some wine, saw the brilliant blue jasmine at a smaller screen and ended up paying less for all of that. That is. We ended up seeing Thor 2, the largest multiplex in Leicester, uh, for about £17. For the two pair of them. Yeah, yeah. That is outrageous. It's crazy, really is isn't stunning. It? Absolutely yeah. crazy. So, yeah, you know, there you go. I mean, people are really starting to balk at paying these prices for yeah. cinemas well, now. Surely the way I to... I don't go to the cinema anymore. Like, I, you yeah. know, I'm watching... I want to see Elysium and Kick-Ass 2. I couldn't afford to go to the cinema, so I'm, they're both now out on Netflix. So and... what, BAFTA membership's useful for this? Yeah. Because you get yeah. to see all films for free. Yeah, but you can't <coughs> take your family there, Kez, can of you? Of course, no. Yeah, but Because yeah. we, uh, my, my partner is a BAFTA member, mm. and whenever we go to the cinema with his son... It helps to not have to pay for it for him. Yeah. But we still have to pay for, obviously, me, me, me and his son. So, yeah. But it does help because it's a discount and it makes it affordable. But it's pathetic that it, the only way to make it affordable is to have one person not pay. Yeah. It seems insane. I mean, you went quite recently to see... Went to see Frozen last weekend. Which is brilliant, by the way. And it was... Yeah. Uh, well, adult ticket was 11 quid. Kids yeah. ticket was 7 quid. And it was probably, I don't know, a quarter full. Mm. And that's the, the weekend after 
it came out as well. It was, so it wasn't opening weekend, but I expected it to be busier than that. Mm. Like Saturday at 11 o'clock as well. It yeah. explains a lot that you say if you want to have the blockbusters in the first week, you have to show them so much. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, yeah. They, so that is the, distrib- the distributors yeah, that do that. So it's the only cinemas I've ever been to. Like when I lived in Edinburgh, you know, there'd be like 25 showings of the thing in a week. And yeah. It would never be remotely full. London's yeah. the only place I've ever been where these showings are, you know, approaching capacity. Yeah. No, they, get, they, they demand that it's shown yeah, a certain yeah. number of times per day. Because I, I always yeah. thought, why don't they just show it less? Well, I guess, I films. guess because they need, they, they want to get as much box office in that first week to, to make yeah. it a success. So they're yeah. cramming as many screens as possible. Mm. That's also why you get the kind of preview screenings on a yeah, Wednesday completely. and stuff like that, just to add a bit more to the box office take. Yeah. Right. And that's why if you, um, so that's why if independent cinemas, if you ever wonder why they don't get the big blockbusters for like four months after or something, it's because that's literally the only time it makes yeah. sense for them because otherwise they just have a month of that and they tend to serve a smaller audience but it's difficult because nobody really wants to wait that long to see these big uh, blockbusters because there's so much talk about them on social media you feel yeah. as if you're being left out of the conversation if you don't go and see them in the opening but, weekend or within the first week but or you two say that but it's quite interesting I found the complete opposite like you avoid all the hype and then like four months later when you've almost forgotten about it you've got that reassurance that I don't need to rush to the cinema to see it this weekend then like when it comes on eventually usually on a weeknight at these independent cinemas you're like oh I can go see it there you get to have a view of it you know without being in the kind of chatter about it I prefer that like you know so I'm like I, as I say I'll watch Lysium and Kick-Ass 2 this weekend yeah. months after they're out and I'll kind of get to form an opinion on my own which is quite nice and next week you're going to see E.T. Next week you're going to see <laughs> E.T. All the fuss about that has died down now. <laughs> yeah. Is that it for uh, feedback this week? I think, uh, so. I think it is. IGN underscore UK, feedback at IGN.com if you'd like to comment on anything we've talked about this week or if you just want to shoot the shit, go ahead. Uh, right, is there anything coming out this week? Probably no. not. Games, no. There's no games. some uh, Borderlands DLC coming out very soon. Christmas-themed Borderlands 2 okay. DLC. What, little Santa hats on, on people and it's stuff how like that. something saved the mercenary, mercenary saved... Mm, I can't remember its title, but... It looks fun. Okay, good. Borderlands 2. Otherwise, it's bugger all games, so... There's and, which is good, because you need to f- catch up, usually. Yeah, play Christmas. what you've already got. Play what you got. Yeah. Play all those shrink-wrapped or Steam sale bought games that you haven't looked at. Yeah, uh, yeah. the Steam sale is on, isn't it? Oh. Yes. Uh, yeah. um, Couple of interesting movies coming out this week. Yes, um, Anchorman 2. Yes. <laughs> which I think we've all, we've all seen a lot of, really. Um, <laughs> Quite a bit. All, all the Anchorman stuff we've been doing. Um, American Hustle, which looks fantastic. Looks really, really like, good. The cast alone yeah. makes me weak at the knees. Amy um, Adams. Oh, I love Amy, Amy Adams. Adams. Jennifer Lawrence as well. Yeah. Never get enough Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. J-Lo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in then, January before we come back. Yes. But Boxing also day. 47 Ronin. Which is um, out on Boxing Day, and it's a Keanu Reeves film. Um, it looks very good as well, actually. I'm quite interested. What's it about? Um, it is kind of like so. It's based on um, uh, some comic books, but it's he is a warrior, a uh, Ronin. You know, they're like kind of the samurais without masters. Right. Um, and yeah, he is. Um, he fights demons and things. It looks really good. That's it. Stuff on the side. Then, thanks ever so much for joining us this week. Have yourselves a fantastic Christmas. Uh, I hope you get everything you've ever wanted. Uh, we will see you in 2014. And I think to see us out this week, a goodbye to Kez. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening round to of this podcast. For being so brilliant on the podcast over the last Yay. X number of million years. Thanks, Thank everybody. You. We'll see Appreciate you next year, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.